Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We're back, second hour of OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. I'm Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton back with us tomorrow. Unfortunately, out of town with a, a family funeral today. Wish him and all the Huttons well. Hutton will be back tomorrow. Still got a great show ahead for you. John McClain will join us in about 20 minutes. We'll talk NFL with him. We've been talking NFL with our guy Armando Salguero, lead NFL writer, senior NFL columnist. I'm going to give him about 18 different titles today. Whatever title it is, he's the head NFL guy for OutKick.com. He's our guy today, special guest co-host on OutKick 360, thrilled Armando can be on with us. Armando, Willie McGinnis, uh, certainly not thrilled. And the guy that you know got bashed in the head with a bottle of booze at a nightclub in L.A., definitely not thrilled. Uh, we've got the video for those watching the, the show right now. It's an ugly situation with Willie McGinnis. Felony assault, every member of his crew, too, I'm, I'm guessing, charged with felony assault as well. This is... A terrible situation uh, that happened in this LA nightclub. Yeah, it uh, it's ugly. It's terrible. It's weird, is what it is, Chad. Uh, by the way, um, I reached out to the NFL Network earlier today, and Willie and their statement is Willie McGinnis will not appear on NFL Network while we review this matter. So he's not going to be on the NFL Network for a while. Um, but yikes to, to watch that video. I got this icky Aaron Hernandez with his boys vibe, you know, rolling up on people. It, uh, just not right. It, it devolved at one point into a four on one and it also included, you know, Willie McGinnis grabbing a bottle of, I I don't know if it was what kind of bottle it was, wine or, or you know, Champagne. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, whatever. And was hitting this guy kind of like uppercuts with the bottle as the guy is hunched over and he's getting, I counted them. There's three uppercuts. In fact, I mean, it's nutty. If you, I'd love to hear you do play by play of this fight. Oh, well, the initial punch, I mean, it's. Uh, I saw Dan Dockich on his show said, who knew that Willie McGinnis was such a coward? Uh, it's a cowardice move. I mean, the guy's seated. He comes up from beside him. It's not like they're even gesturing at each other and getting into it. It's like they have very calm words, and then all of a sudden he just gets jaw-jacked by this former NFL linebacker. Uh, it was a coward move by him. And I'm with you, Armando. I watched this. And I didn't think, man, this is just an isolated incident. I think we're about to get more news breaking on past incidents with Willie McGinnis and people coming forward about, yeah, this isn't completely out of character. The moment Pac-Man Jones, and I'm here in Nashville you know, covering the Titans, 
when things started to go south, you knew about the uh, pool stick incident at West Virginia in a fight, but the moment things started to go south and there was one incident, you heard rumblings of other things that went on back home in Atlanta, in West Virginia. I got a feeling we might hear about more with Willie McGinnis. Armando, this was not the look of a man who hasn't done something like this before with his crew of guys in terms of jumping one person the way they did. Yeah, and if you look at it, really, and look, we're speculating here, right? So I don't know what really happened and what the history behind that moment is, but it seems to me that there is history there between Willie McGinnis and that dude, and that the way that they rolled up on him with two of Willie McGinnis' henchmen in the front, two more in the back, it's like they had discussed what was going to happen before, before they actually you know, perpetrated this thing. Uh, Willie McGinnis stops, two henchmen in front, two henchmen in back, and then he says something to the guy. The guy gets up, and before he finishes getting up to be not even eye level with six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound Willie McGinnis, McGinnis takes a a left handed swing at him, but uh, with a glancing blow. I wouldn't be surprised. By being done by that group prior to this moment. Um, just and the whole four on one is the part that just feels shocking wrong and, and armando you, you said you reached out to nfl network and they just gave you the you know he's not going to appear on nfl network while this is being investigated or, or whatever when there's video do you need the investigation if you're a private business if you're the nfl i mean i get it i'm not for knee-jerk reaction someone accused of something you got to fire them and cancel them forever and all of this but, I mean, come on. What more do you need to see? Is that him in the video? Here would be my question if I'm NFL Network. Is this Willie McGinnis in this security footage beating the hell out of this one guy with his buddies and grabbing a bottle and hitting him in the head with it? Oh, it is? Okay, he's fired from NFL Network. I think it's pretty cut and dry if you're NFL Network. I would say that that standard, Chad, applies to law enforcement and the court system. And, uh, you know, obviously, whatever amount of time Willie McGinnis is about to serve for what happened. But but and hear me out on this, because it's going to be a little weird for an employer. I think an employer needs to kind of judge what the context is. It's a lot different if this happened because that guy bumped into Willie McGinnis in line to get to a table or whatever and said something wrong and Willie took it wrong. At that point, Willie McGinnis is fired. But it's a lot different if, say, that dude has history with Willie McGinnis' family, did something to his family, did something in the past to Willie McGinnis somehow, we that's the part that I'm you know you got to be cautious about I think and we have to know the context so that the NFL network can make a good judgment call because it is a judgment call on their part and it's a little bit like I'm stunned anytime 
in a court of law, you see, you know, a father in the in the courtroom and he jumps over the bailiff, the lawyer and the and the and the and the desks and beats up the guy that assaulted his daughter. Yeah, I and that guy, by law, is going to serve time because it's assault. But in the context of. With him. And I don't know if there is context attached to Willie McGinnis. No, look, you, I mean, you're yeah, you're explaining the plot to A Time to Kill, uh, the John Grisham novel and movie with Matthew McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson to an extent. And certainly you would sympathize with the father of someone whose child was violated that way, and you would in the, in the book, in the movie, just like you would in this instance. Now, let me play a sort of evil a t- de- defense attorney here. And my advice to Willie McGinnis and to save face in all this would be, Claim that he called you a racial slur. Boom. That's it. That's the reason. And it goes back a long way, but that's what he, that's what he said to you in the moment. I think he'd get a, a break from the media if that was the case, Armando. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I mean, so the, the tape is kind of like hazy and gray, but isn't the guy getting pummeled also – African-American? Yeah, I think so. But again, I think, you know, you could say, uh, even if you, even if he was, brother. yeah, yeah, you're right. No, yeah, uh, look, I, I, I'm uh, sorry. It's, it, there's a reason I didn't go to law school, but I could play P if, if a, if a law firm needs like a PR uh, wing where I can say, here's what you say to get out of it in the eyes of public opinion and the hearts and minds of people that cover everything in the news. Here's what I would go with. If I'm you, that's what I'd go with if I'm if I'm Willie McGinnis. Either way, troubling story. There will be more that comes out with this. It's going to be interesting either way because you bring up some interesting points, uh, Armando, about what led to this. Because it looks like such a calm approach. There's not pushing and shoving beforehand, screaming. It's a very, very odd story. But you're right. There's got to be more to it that led to all What's, this. I'm interested in seeing it. What I don't know about you, but I don't – and I've been in one bar fight in my life, uh, which I did not start, but I finished. Um, and well done. And there has never been a moment in my entire existence on the planet where I've said, um, "I'm going to risk it all to, you know, to do something that I know is going to d- destroy it all." That's what Willie McGinnis, if he didn't think that, he, he wasn't thinking right because he has to know you are in L.A., you are on TV, and if you do this and you swing first, your career is 99.9% over what goes through his mind that he thinks, okay, this will work. I look at that video, though, Armando, and see that group, and I think this is not a group that often thinks about consequences when they do things like this. That, didn't, that seemed like that wasn't out of the ordinary, is my point. That seemed very calm, cool, calculated. We've done this before to people, and we're doing it again, and not some heat-of-the-moment passion, seeing red, my career is over, but I'm going to do it anyway type decision. Maybe I'm wrong. You're certainly right. There's got to be more background to this that we're going to find out about. And I'm interested to read about it at OutKick. I'm interested to 
see and hear about it also, but it's a crazy story nonetheless. Armando, you wrote a column at OutKick.com I do want to get into. Uh, dual threat quarterbacks and the dual advantage of that with them, but also the dual actual threat of running a quarterback that we've seen across the league so far this year. Yeah, uh, and shockingly, running quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks, they get hurt more. And, and, <laughs> Huge know, shock to I, me, I know, to everyone else out there. Shocking. Yeah. I, I was in Buffalo over the weekend. By the way, Chad, advice, try not to visit Buffalo in, in December, in late December, if you can. Hey, did you throw any and, snowballs? Just ceremonially, even after everything was going on, did you think about I it? I did not. I did not throw snowballs. I've got a story about that, though, um, that I'll get to. But the 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 whole idea of these guys running around. I watched Josh Allen expose himself to injury time and time and time again. Uh, sometimes he slides. Sometimes he sees the hit coming and goes down, but more often than not, the guy is like hurdling people, jumping over people, running through people, uh, you know, and he always gets up because he's six foot five and 245 pounds and runs like a deer. God bless him. But there's that law of averages is working against him. And the fact that they don't, they don't think of that. We talked about in the moment. In that moment is is weird to me. Um, you right now, Lamar Jackson is out. Uh, you've got Kyler Murray is out. You've got Marcus Mariota is out. Jalen Hurts probably won't play. Uh, you know this weekend. All of those dual threat guys that are out and have been out previously uh, because why they're dual threat quarterbacks. Justin Fields is playing, but he's, he's been beaten up all year and he missed the game earlier this year. God bless him. He's a great running quarterback and he leads all quarterbacks in rushing, but you are doing something that basically is the NFL has given you a, a, a life jacket. It's given you a bulletproof vest when you're in the pocket. You can't be hit low. You can't be hit high. You can't be driven into the ground. When you are outside the pocket, all of those rules are out the door. And these guys... They continue to do it, and, and it's part of their game, and I get it, and it makes them really good. But if you're a team with a quarterback like that, you better have a good backup because you're going to see them. Well, and it's not – and you write this in the column, Armando. You're, people are going to automatically come back and say, well, uh, Tua got hurt set standing in the pocket one time, and pocket quarterbacks get hurt too. Well, of course, and you point that out. It's about upping the risk of injury when you look at the numbers – with guys who are running and taking out of the pocket more. You're not claiming that pocket quarterbacks are completely safe from injury in this column. No, uh, and but here's the thing. Of the top 10 passers in the NFL, only one of them, Jalen Hurts, may not play this weekend. 
And of those, only two are dual threat quarterbacks. Of the top seven rushers, rushing quarterbacks in the NFL, five of them are going to be out this weekend if Jalen Hurts doesn't play. So you tell me, <laughs> pocket quarterbacks get hurt as well. And, and, you know, because guess what? It's a violent game, but not nearly on the scale of dual threat quarterbacks. Yeah, no doubt. So now I got to hear about the snowball story. Uh, where you were in Orchard Park, your yeah. vantage point of this. Because I'm watching this on TV, Armando, and I'm thinking, first time I saw it, I'm like, man, did they throw a flag on that throw into the end zone? Oh, no, that's a huge ball of snow that was chucked from the crowd. And then the more you watch over and over again, just chucking the end zone with snow is an incredible scene. So when I arrived at uh, Highmark Stadium at Orchard Park, I step into the press box and the field, obviously it's an empty stadium because I get there really early because I really love doing a great. <laughs> anyway. Um, and every single seat, it had snowed and every single seat is covered in snow, covered in snow. You could not see the benches. You could not see the seats. It was snow, and, and we're talking three feet of it. So I figured, okay, they'll get a grounds crew or somebody to clear the snow so that people can sit down. And, you know, it's two hours before the game, three hours before the game. That's going to happen. An hour before the game, it hasn't happened. 30 minutes before the game, it hasn't happened. There are people that bring their own shovels to shovel the snow out of their seating area so they could sit down there. That was going on at Highmark stadium. People were basically bussing their own table. They were shoveling the snow so they could sit down. And so of course, all of that snow has to go somewhere. And about 10 seconds into the game, I see the people at the top deck throwing random snowballs over the top deck to the people below in the, in the bottom bowl. So you're standing or sitting watching your favorite football team against one of their big rivals, and you get pelted by this random, you know, block-sized snowball thrown from the top deck to the, to the lower bowl. It was like, I kind of chuckled at it, to be honest with you. It, it, was was an funny. it was an amazing scene. And when the crowd got louder as the snow started falling in that fourth quarter, I was thinking of Woodstock 94 where the rain came and they had all the mud and Nine Inch Nails was playing. It's kind of a Woodstock-type theme in Buffalo with all the craziness also. I was also thinking about earlier this year an Ohio State-Northwestern game when it started raining and the wind started blowing even harder. Uh, that's when the crowd got louder. Those Western New Yorkers, Armando, they went nuts. They loved it when the snow started falling on the Miami Dolphins. It was really cool to watch. I, I love this weekend of NFL football, best weekend of the season. Yeah, and by the way, it wasn't uh, a coincidence that after the people at the bottom deck at the lower bowl got pelt and that they wanted to react to, they took out their frustrations on doing what? throwing their own snowballs at the sidelines at in the end zones at the players even and you know randomly because Jordan Poyer who's a Buffalo Bills safety he got pelted they were just 
throwing snowballs. It's what people do when you got snow. You make snowballs and you throw them at somebody. And interestingly, in the second half when it started to snow, the Bills were trailing. And, you know, soon enough, they weren't trailing. So they rallied when it snowed. That's all I'm going to say about that. Some people take lemons, they make lemonades. Others take snow and they make snowballs. We're going to take John McClain and make magic when we come back. John McClain, been covering the league for years, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Gallery Sports Zone. John McClain, when we return, talking NFL on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, it's one of my favorite times of the week, every week. It's our chance to talk with the one, the only, the general, John McClain. John, now with Gallery Sports, joins us weekly to talk NFL. John, we got one of your buddies on, Armando Salguero, as our special guest co-host today, Jonathan Hutton out. Armando Salguero in. Jonathan will be back tomorrow. Uh, but I love having these two NFL legends these media legends, the titans of the industry in a town with titans right here in Nashville, you two together at the same time. This is this is a great moment for me. It's a great moment for me. Armando and I have been talking off the air, the Hall of Fame business. He is uh, presenting Zach Thomas. I'm presenting Andre Johnson. And uh, we both got our hands full. Yeah, no doubt. True story, John. Andre Johnson went to Miami Senior High School. So did I. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I knew you liked him. Now I know why. You might have to, a special, like Armando's our special guest co host. He'll have to be a special guest co presenter, uh, possibly with John McClain also. John, I want to start with what Armando and I were just discussing, and that's Willie McGinnis with the arrest and the video from TMZ of him and, and some of his friends attacking a guy in, a, in an LA nightclub. Uh, Armando reached out to NFL Network. They say he's not going to be on NFL Network while this investigation is going on. What did you make of that video? First of all, Willie's in great shape. He still works out all the time. Looks like he could suit up. Yeah, he's almost 6'6", 270. And when I saw the video on TMZ, first thing I thought of, well, I bet they paid a lot of money for that. And then I thought, well, what did that guy do to precipitate him going in there, punching him, and then his buddies punching him, picking up a bottle, hitting him with the bottle, and because Willie knows he's got a lot of risk, he's high profile. He's not going to be able to get away from something like that. And I'll be surprised if we ever see Willie on the NFL Network again. John, uh, you know, the, the thing that struck me was you mentioned his size. Why does why four guys? Why, you know, against a smaller guy? I mean, what was it? It felt kind of like and I mentioned it earlier it felt a little Aaron Hernandez with the you know boys rolling up on somebody and and doing whatever they needed to do it felt weird 
Same situation Alvin Kamara's in, and he'll probably get suspended next year. He was supposed to get suspended this year uh, at the Pro Bowl, and we assumed that it was because of Willie. Maybe it was one of these other guys that had a beef with the guy, and Willie just happened to be the first there. But I can't wait to see what comes out because you know Willie's going to get a hell of a civil suit. John, you you joked last week that you saw that performance coming by the Texans and fully expected them to have that game possibly won against the Cowboys on the road. Uh, then you said, no, of course not. I, I didn't expect that at all. What, so what was your level of surprise this week when the Houston Texans, the team you cover there in Houston, they're taking the Kansas City Chiefs into overtime? I thought it was going to be a lot closer. I had picked the Cowboys 42-13. to 13. I picked the Chiefs 37-10. to 10. And obviously, I was wrong again. And the Texans deserve a lot of props. They were missing six starters, four on offense, and they had big issues. But, you know, the fact is the Cowboys and the, and the Chiefs are not exactly uh, finely tuned for this game when they played them because they're so pathetic. And so that's why they were able to play close. And I'll guarantee you Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and all those Chiefs fans – the NRG Stadium, they had to empty their pants a whole lot after that game was over. You know, John, I before that game happened, I thought the Chiefs were the best team in the NFL, and now I'm not so sure. Uh, what is your opinion of the Chiefs? You've seen them up close. I never picked them to lose, Armando. I'm sure you don't either. And because they got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't seem to matter who's around them. They're still good. You know, they, they, it's, they've been beaten by Cincinnati now three times in the last year. If they play in the playoffs, Cincinnati's got to beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes four times in a year. Can they do that? You know, can, can Buffalo beat them again? So I can't wait for the AFC playoffs because Kansas City, Buffalo, and of course, Cincinnati's coming on really strong 10 and 2. But I'm never going against my home. So if I had to pick an AFC team to go to the Super Bowl right now and play Philadelphia or San Francisco, I'd still pick the Chiefs. Yeah, it's uh it's amazing watching some of these teams, John. And then watching the AFC South, when you look at Jacksonville. And what's happening with them uh, suddenly coming alive? It, it's tough not to look at that team with that young talent and Trevor Lawrence coming into form and Peterson coaching and think that's going to be the team to beat for a while in the AFC South. Yeah, I believe it when I see it. The Texans have beaten them nine times in a row, including this year in Jacksonville. They've beaten Trevor Lawrence three times in a row, and the Texans are awful. Now they play another game. They play here. I fully expect the Jaguars to break that streak. But I want to see Jacksonville win three in a row, not stink it up one game, then be great the next. I want to see him do better. Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback. He's supposed to be great. He might be great, have been great sooner, if not for the Urban Meyer experiment. But I think it's great. I love new blood like Jacksonville and Detroit getting good. Miami's a great story. I thought the fact that the Dolphins almost won in Orchard Park in those conditions says a whole lot about the way they're going to be able to play when they go on the road in the playoffs. John, this weekend we saw the greatest comeback in NFL history. And the greatest comeback in NFL history before this weekend, I believe you were at, unless I missed my guess, which was the Oilers and the Bills. 
Uh, give me your best story of the greatest comeback in NFL history, Oilers and Bills, uh, from years ago. January 3rd, 1993, after the 92 season, the uh, Oilers were up 28-3 at halftime. And uh, the guys at the Chronicle, we got up to go to the back of the press box to make our reservations for Pittsburgh in the next round. And the media relations director, who you guys know, Chip Namia, said, do not do that. Sit down. You're going to jinx us. Bubba McDowell returned an interception for a touchdown with eight minutes left in the third quarter to make it 35-3. And Chip said, okay, go ahead. You can do it now. So we all went back to the phone bank in the back. We made our reservations to go to Pittsburgh. After that game was over, Chip said, don't you ever even think about making a reservation in the future while the game is still going on. The next year, they led Kansas City by 10 in the fourth quarter. I got up, went and got toward the phone. He said, don't even think about it. And I didn't, and they blew that one too. And another thing, Bud Adams left early. Bud was headed to the airport because the Oilers not only blew that, they fell behind. They had to kick a field goal to force overtime after leading 35-3. to So right now, all they can say is they have choked the biggest playoff game in NFL history. I love Chip Namius, and I love that story when John tells it. John McClain of Gallery Sports, our guest. John, I'll ask this because noted Lions hater Armando Salguero wouldn't dare ask a positive question about the Lions. But here they are. They go for it on fourth and inches. They draw up a great play design to a tight end for a long touchdown. Go down, score a touchdown. They win it 20-17 to against the Jets. 7-7 seven and seven on the season. They've won six out of seven. What do you think of the Ch- the Lions' chances of somehow sneaking their way into the playoffs? I love great underdog stories. You know, for people that complain about their teams, people here, they 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 hate the Texans because the Texans haven't been in the playoffs since January of 2020. And I say, guys, the Lions have won one playoff game since the 1950s. The last time they won a playoff game in the 50s, I was six years old. So I love a great success story like the Lions and the Jaguars. I think the Titans will rally and barely pull out the AFC South, but I think Detroit's going to get that last wild card. Don't know if they will uh, win a playoff game, but it'll sure get people fired up in Motor City for next season. Hey, John, don't believe what Chad is saying. I'm very positive about Detroit. <laughs> I'm positive I don't want to spend Thanksgiving <laughs> in Detroit, okay? So that's how positive I am. You and everyone wanna... else, even even those yes, that live in Detroit, absolutely. don't want to spend Thanksgiving in Detroit. Tim the Toolman Taylor himself hated spending Thanksgiving <laughs> in Detroit, Armando. So you're not alone. You're not special because of that. That's that's fair. I, and I and I'm not I'm not surprised, by the way. <laughs> So, John, uh, you you this year went from the Houston Chronicle to Gallery Sports, and you're working for a gentleman named Mattress Mac, who is in his own right a legend because, I mean, I, I see this guy. He's placing these ungodly bets and winning. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He won $75 million on the Astros. Tell us about his latest uh, bet. He bet 10 minutes. Places won't take his bets anymore. He has to travel around the country to place them. 
at different spots. He he elevated his preseason Astros bat, and he had to go to a reservation in Iowa. Then he went to Vegas. Then he went to Louisiana to put down two extra million. And so what Mac does, his name's Jim McInvale. He's been a furniture salesman here since 1981. He's all over TV and radio, wears Astros things everywhere he goes. And so he bet $10 million. Well, he sold more furniture than that. The, the sales pitch is buy at least $3,000 worth of mattresses of furniture. And if the Astros win the World Series, you get it free, free, free. That's his catchphrase, free, free, free. Gallerysports.com, where I work, it's free, free, free. There's no paywall, just like on OutKick. And so he makes his latest bet, $10 million, University of Houston to win. Uh, he'll win $10 million to win the NCAA championship. Last year, he bet on Kansas. He won $15 million. He bet Cincinnati win the Super Bowl. He lost $10 million. He speaks in terms that we don't can't comprehend, but he sells so much furniture, and he's a showman. When he paid the customers back uh, $12 million, he did it at his main store with 100,000 square feet. I went out there to write about it. He brought in five Astros pitchers to have pictures made with the fans. And they had to bring in a wheelbarrow that took four of them to push because it had 30 million cash in it because he was paying everybody back cash. The wheelbarrow went past me and I was almost just wanted to reach out and grab one little bundle of money. But I didn't, of course, because security was everywhere. And he doesn't do anything on a small a uh, small basis. He's already bet double for people. If the Astros win the World Series next year, they get double their money back. Armando, we've had him on the show. He is a remarkable dude. Well, one of our favorite guests that we've had on uh, during the Astros playoff run, we had him on the program, and he's terrific. And he gave you a cell number, gave Paul his cell number over the air because <laughs> Paul was coming to cover the Titans, Texans, yep. and he wanted to go to the game. So Paul sat with Carol and I in one of Mac's suites. Yep, hooked him up for uh, World Series tickets. John, there's it, it, the, the Raiders-Patriots ending is all just so unbelievable to me. I, I, I don't believe that Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers both went rogue on that play. I also can't believe that Bill Belichick or any of his coaches would be dumb enough to tell them, even in a way that was confusing, to possibly start to lateral the ball in a tie game on the last play. I know what the players said and the coaches said after the game. Help me make sense of all this, though. Do you really think Stevenson and Myers both decided to go rogue on this final play? They didn't go rogue. They went brain dead. Stevenson made his first boneheaded play by throwing it to, to Myers. And then Myers, as he said, he should have just gone down. Instead, he tried to throw it to Mac Jones in the middle of the field where Chandler Jones got it and returned it for the touchdown. I've been watching football that I can remember since 1960 when I was eight years old, and I've been covering it since 1977. And I have never seen a play that stupid that was that costly. Jerry Glanville, he used to like his players to lateral the ball when they intercepted passes, when he coached the Oilers and the Falcons. And a lot of times that would backfire, but it wasn't in that situation. That was the most boneheaded play I've ever seen in football. 
Hey, John. So last week, Micah Parsons said that Jalen Hurts is a system quarterback, and it's the system is the reason that he is playing so well. We're going to kind of find out this week, I think, because if Gardner Minshew produces like Micah, like uh, Micah Parsons expects and Jalen Hurts did before, then, yeah, it, it might be the system. Do you think Jalen Hurts is a system quarterback? Of course not. He runs the ball. He throws the ball. He's going to be the MVPs improved all three seasons. They went from trying to get Deshaun Watson and him being told, telling them early he wasn't interested in going to Philadelphia last season to Hurts being, I think he'll be. Now, if he misses these games, he's not going to be the MVP. But if he had not been hurt, he would. Now, I watched Gardner Minshew when he was at Jacksonville, and I think he's a really good quarterback to have backups. I've seen him have some great games and some bad games. and But I do think this, and you guys know this, they got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. But Jalen Hurts is playing great, and he's doing it as a runner as well as a receiver. And I think Micah Parsons, who gets so much publicity, he shouldn't be Defensive Player of the Year. Nick Bosa's beating him in every category for a better team and a better, the best defense in the NFL. And if if Gardner Minshew, the mustache, comes out and puts a few touchdowns on Parsons and the Cowboys, how bad does that make the Cowboys look? And how stupid does uh, it make Parsons look for saying that to begin with if he gets his butt kicked by the mustache? John McClain, we call him the mustache sometimes. We call him the man, the general, a man of many nicknames. Gallery Sports, gallerysports.com. John, thanks so much. Always fun to catch up with you. Chadillac, Armando, it's great being on with you guys. Armando, enjoy the rest of the season. I will be seeing you soon. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Merry to Christ you, John. So um, I don't know if it's going to be a Merry Christmas for Blue of Earth or not. I don't know if Blue of Earth celebrates Christmas at all. We'll discuss all of these things and Aaron Rodgers' uh, girlfriend, and she's stuck in South America. we got a lot to get to. Outkick 360 coming right back at you. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're back on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. I'm Chad Withrow, your host. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us tomorrow. Armando Salguero of OutKick.com, senior NFL writer, our special guest co-host today. We're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. His Packers win it last night 24-12 over the Los Angeles Rams. They're now 6-8 and eight on the season. Not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. 12% chance right now to reach the NFC playoffs. Uh, maybe a 0% chance that Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers rescues his maybe girlfriend, Blue of Earth. Joe Kinsey at Outkick.com has covered this story from the very beginning. Um, Aaron Rodgers, and I know you're a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers and everything off the field, Armando, uh, was for a while dating a shaman that called herself Blue of Earth. 
This shaman right now is stuck in Peru with all the upheaval in that country. And she, she posted on Instagram. It's hard to even get through this with a straight face. She says, in challenging times like this, it's those who show up and support that are the real MVPs. It's all BS till it's tested in the fire. Armando, I have to take this as a shot at back-to-back MVP winner Aaron Rodgers when she posts this. Oh, by the way, Aaron no longer follows her on Instagram. Your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and uh, his relationship with Blue of Earth? I hope he dumped her. Uh, First of all, if your name has a preposition in it, you need to be dumped a couple of times to get your yourself a normal name. So you're not a fan I'm of sorry. Chance the Rapper either is what I what I take from this, right? I'm not buying this names with prepositions as girlfriends. No, yeah. not doing that. Uh, secondly, every picture that, every photograph that I see of her, it looks like she needs a shower. <laughs> and I'm not digging that either. And thirdly, I'm a little weirded out by the witch thing and the shaman thing. I mean, I don't live in 1400 Salem, all right? I live in like 2022 and witches are not a thing. We don't want witches. We don't deal with witches. No witches. And the whole, my MVP, Aaron Rodgers, Chad. Tonight, yes, Aaron Rodgers decides I'm going to go to random bar A, B, and C in Green Bay. What are the chances that after visiting bar A, he can go leave bar A with a girl, go to bar B, pick up a second girl, go to bar C and pick up a third girl, and all three of them? can just hang out at his, at wherever he decides. His estate, his casa, his, yes, whatever he calls his place. A resident Packers fan in the studio, Brooke, just nodded and said 100,000% on your question. That's the percentage chance of that happening, yes. So does that person who can, at, at a snap of a finger, do what we just mentioned, is he going to go to Peru where there is a, Apparent civil war going on. A witch in distress. (laughs) In the middle of the NFL season to rescue the witch with a prepositional name. (laughs) I'm not buying that that's going to happen. I'm a fan of Aaron Rodgers, okay, because he is very unique. I'm definitely a fan of his play. You know, on the field is one thing. He's very interesting. I, I think about with Mike Leach's passing. You know, Aaron Rodgers has some Mike Leach in him in terms of intellectual curiosity. I think the difference is, Armando, and you've hit on this, Mike Leach, while curious with everything and studying Geronimo and writing books about him and pirates and all that stuff and could talk on any subject, his personal life was very normal, right? He was married with kids and grandkids, and it was very separate from everything else. He didn't talk about his personal life, uh, but I felt like that part of it, I feel with Aaron Rodgers, it all bleeds into the being of Aaron Rodgers. You can't separate any of it. His personal life is intellectually curious. Everything he does on the field, it's just, it's all one thing, right? I, I guess I'm one of those guys where I kind of like my quarterbacks 
to be about playing quarterback. Yeah. And yeah, he's very interesting off the field. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I would say if you did a poll of Green Bay Packer fans, how many would say choice A, all you know about Aaron Rodgers and all Aaron Rodgers is about is his playing on the field and I'm going to get better. I'm going to watch the film and try to improve. And then choice B is I'm dating Blue of Earth because she's got a wonderful preposition in her name and she's a witch and I'm not going to the Civil War in Peru. And Danica Patrick is back there with a, you know, F1 formula car if I want to ride in it. And the other girl is on the Divergent, Divergent <laughs> movie thing. And we're going to go see that again. I, you know, I don't care about that stuff. I just care about throw Watson the ball and score touchdowns. I'm stupid. I, 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 I'm one dimensional. Yeah. I'm sorry. Davey's got some thoughts. Yeah, yeah, Armando, does your opinion change if the Packers were mathematically eliminated? In that situation, does he then make the move to go down to Peru? Davey, so I've been to South America. <laughs> I, haven't, I've, I haven't been to South America during a civil war, but I would say to you that the best time to go to South America is when... People are not rioting in the streets. Armando, we got to go to break. Uh, more South America talk. Maybe we'll talk about Argentina winning the World Cup. Who knows where it'll go next? That's all coming up. This is Outkick 360.